Well, good morning. Good to see all of you today, and if you're a guest with us this morning, once again, we want to warmly welcome you, whether you're here in person or those of you that are joining us online. Thank you for allowing us to be in your living rooms and for giving up an hour of your Sunday today. Uh, if you are a guest, my name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and if there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Whether you're here or you're online, I'll be right through those doors after the service. There's also coffee over there, so if you want to grab a cup of coffee, on your way out, and uh, I just love the opportunity to say thanks for joining us today. Uh, also, uh, as you saw, this is a big weekend for our church, as yesterday uh, we gathered in here for our confirmation service, and this place was packed full. It was absolutely amazing, and uh, I really have to give credit where credit is due. The, the, the worship team that you saw, the, the tech people, everybody that came, the ushers, the greeters, all the people that helped make that possible, and also to those of you that financially support our church, know that, that what you're doing helps us do services like we did yesterday, where we had so many guests. And over and over again, they kept saying this, we didn't even know this church was here, which I can't wait till we can bulldoze those houses, right? So we never have to hear that again. But they also said there is just such a sense of God's presence here, and it's so wonderful what you do for students here at Shepherd's Gate. So can we give all of those people a hand this morning for what they've done? Also, some of you, this may be your first time back to in-person worship in over a year. So welcome back and welcome home. And uh, I have to do this as well because my buddy right here is in the front row, uh, Joe. And if you don't know Joe... Um, <laughs> Welcome home, brother. If you don't know, this is one of the, uh, he's a motorcyclist and he was hit by a car. And so God spared your life. And he's continuing to keep his hand upon you, is he not? Yes, so welcome here. It's great to see you, brother. So, Joe, it's great to have you here. I got to do their wedding. You got married right here. Remember that? Um, the gift is what we've been looking at the month of May, and we've been looking at all of the incredible things that our God does, in fact, bless us with. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about communion and the gift that God gives us uh, with his very presence. Last week, we got to celebrate our moms, and today we're going to be talking about faith and the faith that God has, in fact, given us. And so what I want you to think about as we begin this message is the world in which we find ourselves in, the ever-evolving world, Right? And I want to ask you, what is it that you are holding on to in this world that's full of so much uncertainty? I mean, Joe, your world became really real, right? I mean, your whole world perspective changed in what you experienced. But what is it that you're holding on to? And be honest. Be honest this morning. Is there something that, that's, that's entered into your life that you know is unhealthy? Is there a vice that, that maybe you're clinging to and you're kind of relying on instead of relying on what you know that you should be relying on? Maybe you need some help this morning. Maybe some of these are the things that you're holding on to, right? Any of you, you're holding on to your family? No one's holding on to their family. <laughs> this is amazing because yesterday when I asked the confirmation students specifically, I said, confirmation students, how many of you are holding on to your families during this time? And none of them raised their hands. And that's when I told our student director he's got a lot of work ahead of him. <laughs> then I said, how many of you, you're holding on to your friends? Anybody holding on to their friends? Isn't it interesting how even in this day and age, this has become kind of blurred, right? Let's just call it out. There's tension in our families. 
there's tension. I keep saying it. There's tension in my family, and I still haven't figured out how to solve this and how to deal with this and how to even talk to some of my family members. And my friends have become even more of a support for me than some of my family. Anybody else have that? How about social media? Anybody, that's what you go to? That's your source of strength and hope? No one? Yesterday, the parents all booed. It was amazing. How about... How about work? Any, anybody want to admit they're a workaholic? And so maybe that's the vice. You just keep yourself busy working because you don't want to have to worry about what's going on in the world. Or students that are in here, how many of you, you're clinging to school? <laughs> you love hybrid school. You love talking to your classmates and teachers through a computer, don't you? How about sports or hobbies? We just fill our lives with, with activities. And so we just think, okay, this is what's going to get us through these, these trying times. How about money? Anybody saving money? Go ahead, raise your hand so we can ask you for some of it. You are saving it. All right, good. Anybody clinging to the government? And this last one I got from Ben, our student director, he said age because it's interesting with what he's hearing from the students. And it's kind of cool to hear, okay, how are they processing that? And he said so many of them, they're just saying, hey, I'm at an age where I'm going to survive this. Right? They're just, you know, what, what, I mean, the world's falling apart, but I'm young, and they kind of feel invincible, don't they, Ben? That's what you told me. But then I was thinking, maybe some of you are at an age, you're like, I just don't care anymore. Like, bring it on, <laughs> right? You're almost, it's almost the same. And so in all of these things, like, what is it that we're putting our faith or our trust actually in? I hope. That's what we hope. We hope that we have faith and trust that God is at work in our lives. And do you have faith and hope that he is at work in your life? Do you have faith and hope that he's actually at work in your kids' lives? Do you trust him with your kids? Some of you that have adult children that are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, do you trust that God is at work in their lives? Now, one of the cool things that, that Ben brought to our church, because he's been with us a little bit over a year, is the, the gift that the kids got yesterday uh, for their confirmation gift was a baton. So, like, the batons that you get when you're running a marathon or you're running the track. And uh, he had their name on it, their, the date of, of confirmation, and also their confirmation verse. And uh, he gave that baton to the parents, and at the, and at the close of the service, uh, like they got to hand that to their kids. Isn't that cool? Such a great idea. So all of, all of you that for the last several years didn't get a baton, I'm sorry, but all of the ones from <laughs> then on out are going to get this cool gift. And here's the thing. I know if we're honest in here, some of you that have kids that have already gone through confirmation, some of you that have adult children, you want to take that baton back, don't you? And whack them on the head. <laughs> and then hand them back because you're kind of frustrated with the way they're living their lives. They're not making good decisions and they're living in sin or they're doing... Or they're kind of not coming to church, or they're not being involved in a, in a church community, and it's frustrating to you. And so today, I think it's good for all of us, wherever you're at on the spectrum, whether, you're, whether you have kids in the home, or your kids are out of the home, and you're trying to sort this out, I just believe Jesus has some words for all of us today, first to examine our own lives, and then also to examine in the way that we interact with the world around us. But I want to start by reminding us of this, Okay. This is a key verse for us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. The faith that you have is a gift. It's an incredible gift from God. 
And parents, listen to me. Even with that analogy of the baton passing, do you know that you do not pass on your faith to your kids? That's not how it works. God is the one that gives your kids faith. You're just responsible to bring them to church, to pray with them, to read them God's word, to to model a, a godly and a Christian lifestyle to them. And so the passing the baton means that they're taking ownership of their faith. It means that they recognize that that they are now responsible for God in the way that they act and what they do. But make no mistake, it is God who gives us faith. God is the one that has given all of us our faith. And here's some other exciting news for you today. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He's not done working in any of your lives. Whether you're in this room and you're eight, or you're in this room and you're 81, God is still at work in your life. God still has more to accomplish in and through you and do far more and exceeding more than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine because it's his power that's at work in you. And I believe the best days for this church are still ahead, amen? And I believe that even now, I can feel it. I can feel the momentum building. I can feel our church coming together. We got to be on guard. We got to watch out for each other. We got to support each other and encourage each other and look around and see who's not here or who's not tuning in online and make sure nobody falls through the cracks and that we continue carrying on the mission that God has given us. And so today, as I said, we're going to look at this passage of scripture from Jesus, a teaching right from Jesus' lips to our ears. And it's found in Luke chapter 8. And this is really cool because it says when a large crowd was gathered and people were coming to Jesus from town to town. I want you to think about that. Imagine Shelby Township, Macomb Township, Clinton Township, Rochester, Washington, all these places, all these people coming from all over. I mean, this is a massive crowd. And when he gathers this whole crowd together, he decides to tell a parable. Well, if you're new to the Bible, a parable is just another way of saying a story. And part of Jesus' teaching technique was he would often tell stories to help connect people to his messages. And so here's the story that he told this huge crowd. He said, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Make sense? We can all go home? Any farmers in here? Anybody farming? Anybody growing vegetables? You know, we homeschool our kids now, and so my wife's now teaching our kids how to farm. It's incredible. So we have vegetables growing in our kitchen that are eventually going to end up, I hope this works out, right? That are eventually going to end up outside. Okay, Jesus, what does this mean? What do we do with this? How are we supposed to understand what this is? And then he goes on to say this. He called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So there's the message. You've heard it. You have ears. Touch your ears. They're still there. Hear the message that he has for you. And I like it because I love how real and raw the Bible actually is because the disciples were perplexed as well. They're like, what are you talking about? Here he goes again with another one of his crazy stories. Jesus, you got to help us out. And so he asked them what it meant, and this is one of those moments when Jesus actually explains his story. So often when he tells stories, he didn't explain it, or he explained it later to just the disciples, but in this incident, he actually tells the entire crowd there what he means by this story. And so this is what he does. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. 
that seed that I was talking about? That seed is the word of God. And you're going to see this theme as we go through, as we break down these passages. And how important, if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, the word of God is to us here. See, we believe that, that the word of God is what has the power to change and transform your life. That being in God's word, that being in church, that hearing the word preached, that, that by reading the Bible on your own, that by engaging with other people that are in God's word, that is what sustains our faith. That's what gives us what we need to get through each and every day of our lives. And when we're not in God's word, when we're neglecting God's word, when we neglect gathering together, that's actually, too, uh, that's actually uh, not very beneficial to us. We actually begin to do things that maybe we didn't think we do, that we would do. We begin to fall into certain patterns because we're not connected back to God's word. And so I want you to see, this is Jesus now, right? This is what he's going to tell us about the proclamation of, of God's word and what happens when we hear the word. And so the first thing he says is this, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word, those seeds, from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Isn't it interesting that he starts with the devil? Isn't it interesting that he tells them there is there's this reality that there is an evil force in the world, and even though he's in the world, this is Jesus. He's God. He's telling them, you need to be aware of the devil. You need to be aware that he's trying to destroy your life, that he's trying to affect your mind and your emotions, and he's lying to you. He's actually the king of lies. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants nothing but the worst for you. And I'm so thankful that we have God's word that says when we resist the devil, when you tell the devil he has no claim to you, he has no claim to your family, he must flee. It's not that he gets to decide if he wants to flee, that when you rebuke the devil, you tell him to get out of your mind, you tell him to get out of your family, you tell him to get out of your marriage, you tell him to get out of your business, he has no choice. He and his demons must flee. Don't ever forget that. And I want you to know as well, this is a church that is never going to be afraid to tell you that the devil is real and that the devil is trying to destroy you. And I can't understand why there's churches that won't preach that. I don't understand why there's churches that literally have in their playbook to never, ever, ever talk about the devil on Sunday morning. Because somehow that's just going to make people feel more comfortable. Guess what? I'm not here to make you comfortable. Did you know that? I'm here to tell you the truth of God's word. And, and again, I want you to think about this. Who was he talking to in this moment? A massive crowd, right? He literally had a massive crowd. He's like the first seeker-sensitive service person pastor on the planet, right? These all are people that didn't really know who he was and all of those things. And here he is telling them this warning. Not only does he warn them about the devil, but look at what he says next. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word, so they're receiving it with joy when they hear it. So there's actually this, wow, this is great news. Like, this is really important for my life. But yet they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. When things get tough, when we lose a loved one unexpectedly, when tragedy comes into our families or our lives and we begin to question God, Let's be honest, we've all been there. We've all wondered, is he really on his throne? Is he really calling the shots? Does he really hear my prayers? Does he really care about me? And again, he's saying, listen, 
even with hardships, even with those difficult times, keep your eyes fixed on me. Know the seed that has been planted in your heart. Realize that I am still at work in your life. And you know that God has not been easy on anyone in this world. God has not been easy on anyone in all of scriptures. Everyone has gone through hardships. He knows the pains that we've gone through. In fact, he walked this earth just as we walk this earth. And he experienced every circumstance that we face in our day and age. That's how much we are connected to him. That's how much he knows what you're going through. So let's be on guard. Let's watch out for these times of hardships. But he also says this. This is his third warning. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries. Think of that. Riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. The world that we live in. And again, I'll go back to churches that'll say, don't ever talk negative about the world. Why do pastors always talk negative about the world? Because 1 John says these words, do not love the world or anything in it. That's scripture. I only say it because God said it, right? I'm not up here because I want to pick on the world. We live in a fallen, corrupt, sinful world. That's the reality. That's what we need to hear. That's what we need to recognize. Sure, we plant flowers and there's things that God gives us and there's gifts that God gives us, but we also have to be conscious of what is constantly vying for our attention around us. Think of the riches and pleasures. Think of the kingdoms that's so easy to build here on this earth. I have a couple friends. They both just happen to be dentists. They both are very close friends of mine. They both do really well. They're both successful guys. And they keep trying to talk me into this thing called cryptocurrency. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys already have wealth. You're already there. You're like, they're like, yeah, but this is fun, and we can go get more wealth. And I'm like, how much wealth do you need? At what point do you just be happy and content with what it is that God has given you. Be on guard. Watch out. Be alert. Again, this world and the devil are always trying to drag you down. And he ends with this. He says this, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, and they don't just hear it, they retain it, and by preserving, they produce a crop. And you know that's our prayer for every single one of you that are here today, those of you that are watching online, that each and every week that, that we continue to plant those seeds, that, that God continues to water that faith that is in your heart, that you are closer to God this week than you were last week, and every single week that God continues to deposit exactly what you need in your life, and so that a year from now you're even closer to God than you were last year that we're all moving toward God, that none of us are moving away from God. We want God's word planted so firmly in your hearts, and not only for you, we want this for our kids, and we're going to be announcing some changes that we're going to be making in our kids' programming in the next couple weeks, and I'm so excited because we're figuring out a way to get the word of God even more in their little hearts and in their minds. And as what happened yesterday with confirmation, as I said, focusing on these kids and making sure that God's word is planted into their hearts, as they picked their confirmation verse, as they told us why it is that they're professing faith in the one true and living God. You see, faith is actually having that confidence of the heart. It's not our intellect. We don't come to God with, 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 our, with our ability to impress him. It's the faith that he has planted in our hearts. It's that confidence that we have in our hearts. And by faith, then we cling to the promises of God. 
That's what we hold on to. And those promises are found over and over and over again in Scripture. So again, if you feel like you're on that road and you're starting to doubt, or maybe you just feel really far from God, don't stop coming to church. Don't stop watching online. Continue to be connected to Him. Continue to be connected to the vine. and Allow Him to do His work in your life. But I got to ask you this as well, as we're talking about faith and as we're looking at the teachings of Jesus and even as, as the gospel is preached and how it falls on different soils and, and what the reaction is to that, is it possible to lose faith in God? Is it possible to walk away from God? What do you think? Yes. We would say yes. We would say that scripture tells us that this is serious business. That what happened yesterday isn't just to get dressed up and, you know, pat the kids on the back and send them on their way. That again, there, there's a soul, that there, there's, a, there's a human soul, a spiritual soul, an eternal soul in each and every one of us. And what is it that God has entrusted to us in that soul? What are we doing to care for our souls? What are we doing to stay connected to God? into his plan. And again, those of us that have kids, what are we doing to make sure our kids are connected to God? I'll tell you, here's some of the pitfalls that so often happen in life. This is when we start going down the wrong path. It's spiritual starvation. Now, I can tell you this. It's the middle of May, and every pastor that is in the Midwest, that's pastoring a church in the Midwest, says the same thing every year in the middle of May. You are going to face temptations this time of the year. Did you know that? Some of you, you're going to wake up on Sunday morning and you're going to see that all of your neighbors have their grass nicely mowed and edged. <laughs> and you're going to look at your, your yard and because of whatever happened that weekend, because your schedule was busy, you're going to say, you know what? I, I can't be the only guy on the block that's got crappy grass. I'm going to skip church and I'm going to make my yard look great for my neighbors. I guarantee you that'll be a temptation. Some of you, you know, like to pick on you. Some of you that have boats. You're going to say, I just got my boat waxed, and it's rained all weekend. I can skip church. I need to be the first one of the marina, get that boat out in the water so that I can enjoy the day. God would want me to enjoy the day. <laughs> and that is true. He would want you to enjoy the day after you go to church. <laughs> and God's word's planted in here. What else? Help me out, folks. What else are those trips that are going to come, right? The cottage is calling Right? The, the, the backyard pool is calling. All of these things, these little subtle things that are going to try to trip us up. And yet we don't realize how much we need God's word in our life. Because what ends up happening is we go from starving ourselves to being self-reliant. Hey, I got a job. I got some money in the bank. I got a house. My family's healthy. Everything's going well. What do I need God for? I don't need God. How about this one? Unforgiveness. I think this is one of the hardest ones that we probably don't hit enough in the church. I'll be honest with you, I've been struggling with this one, particularly when it comes to some of my family members and the, and the relationships and the interactions these last 14 months in particular. Sometimes I get convicted big time about what I say or what I do or how I respond to the way they're responding to me and to my family and the decisions that we've made. 
But yet Jesus said, if you don't forgive others before me, then my Father in heaven doesn't forgive you. And then this last one, and this is the hardest one, is when we watch people walk away from their faith. And as I said, as we've once again got to see this incredible service yesterday with these confirmation students, I couldn't help but do a little math on my way to church yesterday morning. And I counted up and I realized that yesterday was the 18th confirmation service that I'd been part of here at Shepherd's Field. And one of the things that Facebook likes to do is give you these memories, you know, where they go, here's what you looked like five years ago, here's what you looked like 10 years ago, (laughs) here's what you looked like 15 years ago. I showed Kurt Perkins, our tech coordinator, I'm like, man, look at how much I've aged in 10 years. Like I had a confirmation picture from yesterday and one from 10 years ago. I'm like, life has not been good to me. (laughs) I am turning into an old man. But I also... But I also thought about this as this weekend, one of those confirmation students, 18 years ago, had his fourth child. And he's a pastor in Ohio and he's doing great. But then I also thought about some of those kids that have stood right here where they stand every single year who now have come forward and said, I don't know if what you taught us at Shepherd's Gate is actually true. I don't know if I believe that the Bible is the only way to know God. I actually don't know if I believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And I've had to sit across from parents that have expressed these things, and I've had to sit and watch people bawl their eyes out because they're wondering what happened, what went wrong. We brought them to church, we put them in all the programs, we sent them on all the retreats, they even went on mission trips. Why are they walking away from their faith? Again, There is so much out there that is vying for people's attention. We have got to stay connected to Jesus. We have to stay connected to the vine. We have to stay connected to our local churches. And we have to stay connected together. This is so fundamental for us to survive this world that God has in fact placed us in. And you know we have all of these things that we keep talking about, and I'll say it again because we are doing it on purpose. And for those of you online, please understand this. Maybe you haven't come back to in-person worship. Get in one of these social groups. Today the golf group met. They met right before this service. If you missed it, email adults at sgatechurch.org and she'll get you added to the golf group. Go, get out, golf with other Christians. Those that are in the boating group, your meetings after this service, right? And so I've been actually screenshotting your, your pictures on Facebook, just so you know, because you guys always show the boat when it's coming into the water. And I send them to Galen. I say, there's another boat owner. Go after that one. Go get them. <laughs> Connect them to each other. Why? Because we love you. We don't want anyone to go through life alone. We want you all to be connected. Whatever it is, we got a bike group. We got this group. We got Bibles and brew, for crying out loud. You can show up and drink a root beer. And talk about Jesus. It's because we love you. And we don't want anybody falling through the cracks. And I want you to think about that as you look around, as you see some of the people that you used to see on a regular basis, and maybe they're not here, and God's calling you to, to call them, to check in, to see how they're doing, to pray for them, to encourage them. Again, this gift of faith that God has given us. This is what we want to be as a community of believers, that we just don't speak it. That we don't just come and we do this on Sunday mornings and then after that it's it's over. That No, we speak it and we actually live it out each and every day. And so that's our prayer for you. That's our prayer for your kids and our students here and for every adult, everybody that God would allow us 
to speak truth into their lives. And again, if you're a guest, man, I would love for you to be part of this community here. This is an incredible faith community. This is a family that will walk beside you, that will be there for you, right? I'm speaking this. You know the, 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 the support that you guys have gotten from so many here. We love you. We want you to be connected to God, and we want to be connected to you as well. So church, let's keep going after God, and let's keep praying for our kids, and let's keep praying for this next generation, and let's keep rebuking the devil and telling him he has no right to our kids or to our grandkids. Amen? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we do just thank you for your word. We thank you that, that we are able to read what it is that you have for us, and it's your word that has the power to, to change and transform our lives. God, we just, in this moment, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if anyone is here or watching online and maybe they are struggling with their faith, and they feel like they're holding on by a thread. God, I just pray even in this moment that you would wrap your loving arms around them, that you would reassure them that you are their God and that you have never stopped working in their lives and you have never let go of their hand. And God, even now, that they're being reminded of how much they are loved by you. God, I thank you for our confirmation students yesterday and their bold faith in declaring who, who they are in you. God, we also recognize, God, that they need to have your hand continue to be upon them. And so may they be led by you each and every day. God, I pray for, for those in our midst, our kids and our grandkids, that maybe have gone down the wrong path. That they're rejecting the word that used to bring joy into their life. And it's scary. It's frustrating. God, we once again, we hand them over to you. God, we know that you're at work. We pray that you would bring others around them to encourage them to speak your truth into their lives. God, we don't want to lose anyone. God, would you also help us as a community, as a faith community, as a church, to continue to roll up our sleeves, to be your hands and feet in those circumstances that you have called us to. We're thankful, God, that we have this opportunity to help some of our brothers and sisters in our community and Mount Clemens through just practical things as clothes, summer clothes, as they lost everything. But God, more importantly, that as these clothes are purchased and as they're delivered, that the hope that they can have in you, that they know that that's what is driving our church to do what it is that we do. So God, continue to soften our hearts, to live for others, and to share your love with others. God, we just love you and we thank you. We do all these things in your son's most holy and precious name.